This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar, coming at you with episode number 28. Funny thing about the number 28, when I was younger, it was I considered it to be one of my lucky numbers besides number 4. And a lot of my uh, accounts on websites is my name, Radar, with either 28 or 4. Not to give you a way to get into all my personal information, but those are the number combinations I like. Now, with the fact that there aren't any sports, and we are... We have nothing really going on. We have Michael Jordan's Last Dance, the documentary. We've had an NBA 2K tournament. They're doing a Madden football tournament. They plan on doing an NHL tournament. They did an MLB baseball tournament. The only problem was, I said, they didn't really show that much of it. They even didn't show uh, Lucas Giolito of the White Sox basically eating half of the Cubs in the final, in the championship uh, playoffs, you know, just before the final. That was a little bit annoying because Giolito was in the finals and it would have been nice to see him beat uh, Ian Happ because I saw him win a couple other games. Now, he lost ultimately to Blake Snell, who was the best player all season because they did a season of every single player from, I mean, every single team got a player and they played all in April and did the playoff. And they showed something on Fox Sports and something in ESPN. And of course, Blake Snell had the best year. He was just amazing at hitting as a pitcher, which is funny, and he just won the whole entire tournament. So it wasn't that surprising. So it was interesting and whatnot, but they do like three inning games while 2K was actually get to play a full game. So not the biggest on that. Now, in general, there's with the news with everything being affected by COVID-19, some people have passed away from COVID-19. And my, the minority, uh, one of the owners of the minor league team for the Houston Astros passed away. And an A's minor leaguer, Mental Marte, passed away from uh, COVID-19. Now... Deaths in the celebrity news that are not COVID-19. Efren Khan died, you know, the actor who's 53, who was an amazing Spider-Man in Jurassic Park from cancer and his colon. B.J. Hogg, 65, he died for Game of Thrones. Actor, no initial uh, listing who it is. Sam Floyd from Scrubs, 56, passed away. He'd been, he had all year said he was been dealing with a disease and uh, needed support and money. And, and it was inedible, he's going to pass away. But a rest in peace to those who have passed away. The Little League World Series has been canceled due to COVID-19. So has Ravinia in Highland Park in Chicago, Illinois, canceled their concerts. And it's been a little bit annoying because this year, Diana Ross, Steve Miller, John Fogarty, and Train, to name some artists, are coming to Ravinia on days that I could actually see. But that's not going to happen. Space Dam 2 with LeBron James has been announced with a new name, New Legacy. I don't know where they're going to go with that. NFL is considering to play Saturday games on Saturday games in place of college. If the college season gets pushed back to the spring or to the late winter, that'd be interesting to have games on Saturday. I would just say get rid of Thursday games then. And then the NBA is weighing their options of Walt Disney World, where they got the whole setup with all the courts and the food and the, and the hotel resorts. Vegas has similar thing. I just want the NBA to pick one. I don't care if it doesn't look good in terms of PR. If you get all these COVID-19 tests and you have the money for it and you have the resources to get it, you know, the connection, that regular American can't get a test. Regular American, if we if we have to stay home or we can actually go to work, wear masks, gloves, do social distancing, but the NBA can get all their tests and they all can be cleared and they can play, I think America should be fine with the basketball season and the hockey season getting all the tests finishing the baseball season starting the WNBA season starting so we have something to watch if we're all going to be at home and doing the social distancing and not being at work so I'd rather them just start the whole entire thing because NASCAR is like we're going to start on May 17th with seven races in 10 days to get you uh ready 
and they've also announced that there's going to be Hercules, the next live-action Disney movie. Everybody's excited about that. The NHL, like the NBA, has decided that if they need to start their regular season this year in December, that's totally fine, too, because they, they both want to crown a champion like everybody else does. Amazon is going to be still streaming Thursday Night Football with, with some Saturday games, and they renewed them for a three-year contract. The um, Andy Dalton donated 15000 Dollars to medical needs in Cincinnati, and uh, Cardinals rookie Isaiah Simmons who just got drafted donated six sixty thousand meals to to workers in Phoenix, which is nice to hear. Another documentary like The Last Dance, as we said, they're going to do a Kobe one. They're going to do a Redeem Team one that Dwayne Wayne's doing. The Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire home run chase in the '90s that's being pushed up to June 14th to come out as well. And then Portland, Houston, and Denver are going to be the first three teams that open up their facilities. Good, just get those guys ready. They're, they're playoff teams. It actually matters. They're not like a team like the Hawks or the Bulls who are not going to make the playoffs as well. And um, it's good news at ESPN if you're fans of Bomani Jones and Pablo Torre. You know they canceled the show High Noon. They will still be working at ESPN. And hopefully maybe Bomani can be back to being highly questionable more often. And him and Pablo being back in the rotation of Around the Horn because it seems like Frank Isola is like the only one that's doing the show from New York. So it would be better to have more people from New York. The potential that Will Kane may leave his radio spot in ESPN and go to Fox. So people a fan of his may see him move stations as well. And ESPN, because they're desperate for content, they're streaming the Korean Baseball League. And they're showing it like at 5 in the morning with ESPN broadcasters calling it. Sometimes 6 in the morning, 1 a.m., whatever they could do to get content, and they're all wearing masks, and they're, they're practicing social distancing, and if somebody has test positive, they shut it down for three weeks, so that's why the United States is kind of waiting, they don't want to be the, the league that starts, the country that starts it up, and then you have all of these uh, people that are, are not all, just one or two people who eventually get tested, I mean get it, and they find out that, well, they got it, and they got to stop playing for three weeks, so they definitely don't want to be the teams that, uh, they have to stop. Now, football, the former Jaguars linebacker, Tevin Smith, was charged with minor with a, with a, sex with a minor. He's probably going to go to jail. That's disgusting. Definitely go to prison. The Buccaneers were one of the few teams who picked up the fifth-year option on a player in O.J. Howard, but the Jaguars said no to Leonard Fournette. The Bears said no to Trubinsky, and the Bengals said no to John Ross. Now, speaking of the Bengals, Instead of having Andy Dalton be a mentor to Joe Burrows through the tough season, being in the toughest division in terms of they're going to be in last place, facing good defenses, tough schedule, no practice time like normal with COVID-19. Nope. They cut Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton probably could have gone and started in Jacksonville or a couple other places, but he decided to sign in Dallas because that's where he lives in the state of Texas, so it makes it a lot easier on him. And if Dak Prescott gets hurt, they have a great offensive line. They got great skill players. They still got some good defensive players here and there. Last time Dalton made the playoffs is when he had things around him. He could definitely do that in Dallas. Now, the Bears signed Ted Ginn. Yeah, he's old, but he's one of the fastest receivers in the league. So they're giving Trubisky more weapons. But again, nothing to fix to protect him or Nick Foles. It doesn't matter if it's Nick Foles or Trubisky. You can't protect him. They signed safety to Sean Gibson. Again, just continuing with adding to defense and skill players when they need offense. Now, the football, they with the whole COVID-19, there won't be any games in London or Mexico. So zero international games that they're going to have whatsoever this year. Now, in other news, the Jets signed Frank Gore. He's going to continue to be that guy who averages like four to six, three to six yards per game. 
and just get in there. He's very far away from Emma Smith because Emma Smith, yeah, he played till he was in his 40s, but he was dominant, and that's why he's an all-time great. Frank Gore is just slowly getting up there in the list, but that just gives Sam Darnold another weapon to go with because Le'Veon Bell casts his patches out of the backfield, so you could deploy a two-running-back system to keep the you know pressure off him because our offensive line was an issue last year. Now, in sad news, Don Shula passed away at 90. He played as a defensive player. He won Super Bowls and an NFL championship before. He was the part of the Miami Dolphins team that was undefeated. He won four times coach of the year. He has the most wins in the regular season, but all time in general, including playoffs. He coached Marino, where they threw a lot of passes. They had the games where Brian Greasy barely threw the ball, and they won games with quarterbacks not throwing a lot and running the ball. So he was able to adjust to go from run-only game to just passing. So, yeah, he's on the all-time Mount Rushmore for greatest coaches. He is definitely one of the four greatest coaches. You can put Walsh, you can put Lombardi, you can put Hallis, you can put you can put Bill Belichick. You can do whatever you want, but you have to put, in terms of all-time coaches, Don Shula up there as, number, as the number one or two as well. Now, spring training games, they're hoping that if they, baseball can resume them in their house. I mean, at their home, like, they're not at their house, but, like, at the home ballparks, which would be great. Just do it. Start the season. I don't care if you have to play without fans. You play another state. And then at the second half of the season, let more people come to the ballpark, like having press members, even if you have to sit in the nosebleed section, you know, or you have to, or you make markers where you only can sit six feet apart, which means you have less people coming. I don't really care. Just do it would like baseball to start it is the longest sport the most games in my favorite sport so i'd like it for the start and, and even though we're not really doing anything there's still drug testing emmanuel class just got traded in that Corey kluber trade he's got busted for 80 game suspension man like you're not even like why are you taking drugs you're not even playing yet stupid and then um unfortunately matt q of the a's who made an all-star appearance and won a comeback player of the year worked in mlb front offices as a special assistant for the A's, scouting for the Rays and all these other teams who played for the Yankees, the Cardinals, and the Cubs and Nationals. He passed away at 64. You know, when you play baseball for a long time and then you work in the front offices and stuff, you become a beloved player. So rest in peace, Matt Hugh. And then interesting news, Manny Ramirez, who hasn't played in a couple of years because he went overseas for a couple of years back to play. He wants to play in Taiwan because he still thinks he's good enough to play and he just wants to play, so... Good luck with that, Manny. You're one of my favorite players, but we all know you are a mitted steroid user because if you didn't fail a drug test for a women's fertility drug the, the one time, maybe a second time with a Dodger, there probably wouldn't, there would have been suspicions, but there was nothing concrete for you to get in the Hall of Fame so to, to, to prevent that because he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. So he's trying to still play baseball. Now, baseball decided to, while, you know, there's nothing going on besides the tournament. That they're going to do this special MLB tournament with the beat writers of all 30 teams come up with a roster, a Negro League roster as well, and a 25 and under roster to make it even. That the beat writers coming up with this where you, dra- you DraftKings is betting and you got one of the show simulating and things like that. You can watch the streams on you know the streaming sites. Everybody gets involved. Now, the annoying thing is they're doing current and legends, which is stupid. They're playing best of seven games. There's, you know, they basically do the rankings on the turn and the bracket, not American League, National League, where how many World Series and pennants and postseason appearances and winning percentage when, like, the Yankees, of course, are going to have the best 
And then they're doing a 26-man roster because this is the first season they're supposed to have 26 players. They're having 15 hitters, 11 pitchers. Now, majority of the things I've looked at so far, because I've looked at these rosters a bunch of times, but in terms of most recently looking at the rosters, most teams have four relievers. That's not realistic. I know when you're playing a video game and it's a series, you only your, your starter may go six or seven innings and you're only going to need one or two relievers at a time. The only team in the National League so far I've noticed is the Padres have six relievers. Now... Just briefly going over this, because as I said before on my blog site, Radar4428, and you see on my On the Radar Entertainment page, I've done the research where I look at statistics, I look at the all-time rosters in terms of going from the beginning of the history of the team to the current history, I go the all-time franchise leaders in offense and defense and pitching, I read baseball box scores, I read coaching staff, I do everything to do it, and as I always say, the caveat is, retired. Unless you're a team that hasn't been around that long, like Colorado, Arizona, Miami and um, Tampa Bay, where you're going to have to include some current players just because that's just what it is. The one thing about the Rockies is they DH Trevor Story, which, again, he's good defensively. What's the point? It's like they're completely forgetting about the fact that they could DH Dante Bichette or Andres Galarraga. Now, I understand them going with Chris Iannetta on the team and Carlos Gonzalez and Charlie Blackman, even though they're active, but it's like there's really no point to DH Trevor Story. Now, if you look at the Brewers, I understand Luke Corey is the best catcher in Brewers history, but he's active, and then Jim Gatner, second base, I get it, but he's really more of a utility guy who played everywhere in terms of starting. Maul Molitor played everywhere, so of course I would understand they gave him a position. I gave him second just because I felt like when you have Don Money and Jeff Cirillo potentially on the team, both are not going to be on the bench. You're going to start one of them. Robin out, they put him a shortstop, even though I would have, as I said, I've gone with Jose Valentin. Because Robin Yale in center field, because Gorman Thomas is not the world's greatest center fielder. But because they went with Ryan Braun and Kristen Yelich are active, that just meant that Jeff Jenkins and other players did not make it. And it's like they're completely forgetting about B.J. Sheroff and Daryl Porter. Just going with Ted Simmons because he just elected in the Hall of Fame eventually this year, even though that got pushed back. And they went with a George Scott on the bench. Yeah, he was good, but I'm not saying he's going to be on the roster. And they went bang, I'll go V, and I'm just like, yeah. And then we get to the San Diego Padres, where there's a bunch of issues with this team. Like, yes, Adrian Gonzalez is the best first baseman, but he's still trying to play baseball. It's been a year or two, but he's still active. Adi Smith spent, I don't know, less than like five years there. It doesn't really matter. The greatest shortstop in San Diego Padres history is Gary Templeton. Way more than anything Adi Smith did. Adi Smith is the greatest Cardinal shortstop. I don't understand that. Now, I went Gwynn and Winfield, tossed up who was in center, who's in right, which means Brian Giles got the start, and Steve Finley was the backup. I don't even see Brian Giles on here, and they want Nate Colbert. Good first baseman, and Steve Garvey played for them, but it's not like how much of the impact they had. It's like, where's Ryan Klesko? His best years were in San Diego. Then they have Robbie Elmar, who barely spent time there, which makes no sense. And they have both Fred McGriff and Phil Nevin on the bench. See, if you're going to have Fred McGriff and Nate Colbert and Giles, it's way too many uh, first basemen as well. It's just Pitt Roberts makes the most sense on the bench. I'm not even get to the pitchers because that's a lot harder. The Nationals, which I don't even do the Nationals. I'm just doing Expos exclusively. Obviously, then Zimmerman, Rendon, and Turner, and Bryce Harper in the lineup. Yeah. Now, one thing I don't like is Bryce Harper's DHing when Vladimir Guerrero would be best to DH so you can get Larry Walker in the lineup. I also understand why they went with Howie Kendrick. He's been a backup for them. He hasn't started. You're just missing out on both potential shortstops that played in uh, the history and Larry Parrish at third base. Alou, that's a good choice. 
on the bench there. Now, the Diamondbacks, I said they haven't run that long, so I agree with Miguel Montero. Paul Goldschmidt's still active, but I came up with with at least Mark Grace. And third base, Matt Williams, I agree with Cattell like, Marte. They're like forgetting Orlando Hudson and Tony Womack. Both played second base and all over the infield for them, and they're forgetting them. Steven Drew makes sense. A shortstop, that's fine. A.J. Pollock, the D.H. I'm not taking a center fielder in D.H. when he was good enough on defense when there's other options. I get the J. Bell and Craig Council. I just went Craig Council over J. Bell. David Peralta, Chris Young, I know they're probably some of the best outfielders they've had, but they had Eric Burns. They're like forgetting about him. Nick Ahmed, I don't get that. Damian Miller makes the most sense. He's the only good catcher they had. Marlins, I get real Muto, but you're like, you're fitting Charles Johnson should be the starter. Derek Lee at first base over Conine, it's more of a toss-up. Louis Castillo, yes. Mike Lowell, yes. Hanley Ramirez, because he's still trying to play baseball and just played last year. You're forgetting Alice Gonzalez. Then you get to Gary Sheffield. That's correct, Cliff Floyd, yes, but they're getting again Juan Pierre, who's forgotten about, and they have to play both Stanton and Yelich. It was like, yeah. Like, Juan Pierre's on the bench, we got to start him, man. And then you get to the Mets, and Gary Carter's not the backup. Sorry, he didn't spend that much time there. He is a Hall of Famer, won a World Series, but not the best. Tommy Agee, yes. Mookie Wilson, yes. Cespedes, they don't know why they got to include him. He's been injured most of the time there. John Olerud and Howard Johnson don't really make that much of a great bench. There's no Buddy Harrelson. Don't Ray Sanch, Ray, you know, Ray Jonas. Like, what the heck is going on there? They got the outfield, Clean Jones, Beltron, Strawberry, correct, but they forgot Ed Crankle whatsoever if you're going to include a first baseman on the bench. Like, DHP, Alonzo, Reyes, yes. David Wright, yes. A lot a lot of these are yeses. And the Phillies, they're completely forgetting about Mike Lieberthal and forgetting about Bob Boone and going Dalton and Carlos Ruiz. Larry Boa, yes. But where is, like, Juan Samuel? He should at least be on the bench. Now, I. It was like, Greg Lezinski should start. And yes, Chuck Klein and Sherry McGee could be in the Hall of Fame. But they're also forgetting Gold Glove Alfie. They're, they had that won all those straight Gold Gloves, too. Gary Matthews, like, what's going on there, man? Like, Gary Matthews, if he can play all those years in Philadelphia, and then he can uh, win all those Gold Gloves, like, how could you forget a guy like that? That's where that's where uh, I don't understand Gary Matthews Sr. being forgotten, you know? That's, that's what I'm saying. Johnny Carlson, yeah, good player, but Gary Matthews, you know, wait, not Gary Matthews, I'm so sorry, guys, I meant Gary Maddox, Gary Matthews, Gary Maddox, confusing both are outfielders who played for a long time in the same era, excuse me about that, I can admit when I'm wrong, but yeah, as I'm saying, that Gary Maddox guy won like a bunch of straight gold gloves, sorry, Johnny Callison, and then you get to the... The Cubs were obviously Harnett, Sandberg, and Santo Banks, William Tack, Wilson, Andre Dawson, and Sammy Sosa make the team. But Dawson was a great center fielder until the turf ruined his knee, and he was still a great right fielder. How could Sammy Sosa, a glorified DH, be the uh, starting DH, starting right fielder? Chris Bryant, Baez, everybody loves them. Mark Grace, Ramos Ramirez. But it's like, I don't know what you're doing here. They have Joseph Tinker and two Hall of Fame second basemen, how you can forget them. Then you got the Braves, where you're forgetting about Brian McCann and... Del Crandall, and you go with Lopez and Torrey. You make Fred McGriff on the bench, but then you end with Freeman. Manny Matthews was a great defensive player, and, jo- and uh, Chipper Jones was not. They got the outfield of Murphy, Jones, Aaron Wright, but where is Robin Marinville? Jeff Blauser's a good guy to put on the bench. I applaud them for getting Johnny Logan, Rico Cardi. That's good research. David Justice, honorable mention. And Marcos Giles, like, what? He's one of the worst players they've ever had. How do you feel forgetting Felix Milan? Now, the Pirates, they got Kendall, Starger, Maserati, Trainer, Wagner, right? Paul Wayner. Max Carrier, Roberto Clemente, yeah, 
blah, blah, blah. Rolf Kiner should be the DH. Not this love affair with Barry Bonds. Archie Vaughn, good choice off the bench. Fred Clark's the greatest manager, so that's why he's not, I might think, in, in terms of player. Dave Parker, Manny Sangian, good choices. I understand McCutcheon, so that's one thing. Then the Reds, as good as Joey Votto been, can't disrespect Tony Perez. Adam Dunn, good. He's tossed up between Kaluski. Good player Eric Davis was. Vaveda Pinson and the Griffies would be better choices there. And Jay Bruce, eh. Ernie Lombardi, that's a good research on their part. Then you got the Dodgers where I get Gary Sheffield. You can love him, and including Bellinger, but you're forgetting about Dusty Baker, who's a, who's a good player, and Zach Wheat, who's in the Hall of Fame, and you're forgetting about the both Davises on the outfield, and then you're forgetting about Bill Russell and Davey Lopes on this team if you're going Pedro Guerrero. And good as Matt Kevin on Ether have been, and I like Sean Green and Mike Piazza's Hall of Famer, yeah, I'm not really buying that when you forget about Mike Sosha. And then we get to the Giants. There's a Hall of Fame catcher for the Giants. That That's the thing. Like, the point is, when you have a Hall of Fame catcher for the Giants and his name is Buck Ewing, I don't understand how you can't even have him on the team. It just makes no sense. And I like Willie McCovey, but I put him in the outfield because that's where he started because, again, this little affair with Barry Bonds. And I like Will Clark, but he doesn't make the cut here. Bobby Bonds, good choice. Forgetting about Johnny Mize and Olenna Cepeda. So Cepeda and Mize, one of them should start. Matt Williams, great player. But you're forgetting that Daryl Evans was a better player. So offense to Travis Jackson, but you're forgetting about George Davis, one of the best players of all time. Bill Terry, he also was not a great manager for them, so that's why he's not on the team lineup. Which Aurelia, like the guy, love Koku, Panda, Pablo Sandoval. But again, you're just missing out on people. Cardinal, Molina will be the best catcher, but you're forgetting the fact that you got Tim McCarver. He's like chopped liver. Ted Simmons as well. Pujols, yes, he's still active, but you're forgetting you got, you got Mark McGuire and Stan the Man. Now, they put Stan again in the outfield with Joe Medwick. And I'm just saying, like, okay, Lou Brock is not good enough to start. I know, obviously, no, Red Changes is not good enough to start when you got Roger Hornsby, but forgetting about Frankie Fritch. And at third base, Scott Rollins was a tough decision over Joe Torre. But Ken Boyer had a better career in St. Louis than Scott Rowland. That's obvious. And O'Slaughter, he should be in the outfield. I don't understand this. Jim Edmonds, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's just like, it's like they're forgetting certain history about the Cardinals. Now, that is the National League. Next week, I'll go more into the American League. I just, as I want to get to some pop culture here. Now, I watched the show The Baker and the Beauty, this ABC show, which was originally an Israeli show that was considered one of the most popular and well-rated shows in Israel about Israeli you know, in Israel, we got the Ashkenazi, rich and famous, this woman, whatever, being in a, a relationship with a, a man from a lower-income Sephardic family. It's like a typical, like, love story. Based on reading all the, 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 the reviews about it and premises, it seems like that was a good show. Why try to f- remake it? They make it where this European or British woman, you know, she could be British, is this famous person and she gets out of a bad relationship and she has a one great night with this you know, Cuban-American family guy who lives with his parents till he gets married. They have a bakery. They're all, they love love each other. Blah, 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 blah. But it just feels like forced. And there's really not much you can go with the show. Either they fall in love or things don't work out. They spend too much time with the brother's dumb antics. Trying to show that his sister is lesbian. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't, it's just so much is going on in that show. That is taking away from the main part of the show. And if you can't get enough content for a full hour then don't either make the show or make it a half hour. So I'm sorry to ABC and Baker and the Beauty. It's cute, it's clever, it's, it's you know, lighthearted a bit, but it's like, I don't see it being renewed. Plus, it just came out a couple weeks ago, and May is when they make they really make the decision. 
and it's not better than some of the ABC shows that they've canceled over the past couple of years, so I don't feel like that's going to be renewed. Because the thing about the Beatty, the Beauty and the Baker is if you want to know more about this guy and his life with the woman and stuff, you can do that. But if you have all these other characters who are taking up scenes like the the woman's, you know, publicist, like agent guy, he's he's annoying. They got all of her weird friends and stuff like that. That's where it really gets bogged down and you say to yourself, I really don't care about everybody in the show. You just want to care about the people that are in the family. So you agree with that. That That's what I'm saying. So his crazy ex-girlfriend's in the show and she's causing problems and her her ex is in the show. Ah, it's just too much. The parents are the best characters, but it's like, eh, you know, it doesn't really mean it needs to go anywhere. Now, CBS, as I said last time, I had to make a judgment on if the, the other the past couple of weeks over them announcing the cancellation got friend of me, their best show, because it's creative, unique, is not the investigative, you know, procedural courtroom drama, cop, law enforcement type of show, where it follows all those things. It was different. It was clean. It was lighthearted, had good messages about helping other people, building relationships with lost ones that, you know, relatives you haven't got great connections with, you get back to being relationships, evolving friendships, dating, all that stuff. Making people's lives better. Not violent, nothing like that. It was a good show. Now, supposedly, the final three episodes, one of them was one of his friendships coming back to bite him because this person thinks he ruined his life because he got this this guy in the army reunited with his long-lost girlfriend. He, you know, he thinks this ruined this guy's life and he wants him to break up the wedding and he can't really do that. So it was interesting. It was how to figure him out to show that there are other people in his life that he could still be buddies with. He could still be friends with the woman whose brother passed away and he was friends with the brother, yada, yada, yada. While Miles is dealing with that, Rakesh is dealing with the Corey Smith, the guy from DARPA, with his algorithm being stolen, Kid Hacker, Zach helping. They're trying to do it by accident. They have a virus. They got to fix that. You know, someone, you know. So we find out that the guy who's trying to break up the marriage works for the company yada 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 and he's got to make a speech and he then doesn't then show doesn't show they don't show the wedding but they show him like making up with the friend so that was a good way to fix that because he meets the girl from the soulmate app you know i heard lance doing comedy so you know we find out that rakesh used the soulmate app code from the god friend of me you know from the god account one so that's interesting to know that and then course while the whole episode it almost blows up in miles face about the relationship with kara because the guy posts what he says about loving her still making a mistake her current boyfriend sees that dumpster but we all know we all wanted the the, the questions on is he gonna get back with her is his sister gonna be safe is he you know gonna find out who why and 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 why they chose who's behind and why they're doing it they answer the questions of two of those not all of them now obviously the next episode was about this alphonse jeffrey type carl lumley from Justice League and Supergirl, being in the military with his father, but then working for CIA and helping his son, you know, Corey Smith, who got detained by the government because, of course, they're using DARPA computers and whatnot. So that was interesting, but it was all about the grandson thinking an angel talked to him, but really Carl Lumley visited him and told him all these stories and whatnot. And that the good news is Allie's tumor was smaller, so they did surgery, and he was afraid that with a heart condition, she was hiding something that made his uh, stepmother the power of attorney very emotional because he thought that both miles and and the father would uh you know would not 
want to sign or not let her do the surgery if it was a problem. But everything turned out well for Allie, so we figured out his sister's cancer-free, she's in a good relationship, she goes into ministry like her father, blah, 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 good for her. That's what happens there. And then the whole thing was she was afraid that she may not make it, so she had a great note, and they wanted to read something from, you know, Jeremiah, how it's chosen to love, forget those. So how hard is, how hard it is, you know, so that's the sort of thing now. He says on the podcast, like one episode, how hard is it when someone chooses to help, listen, forgive one another? Those simple acts of kindness can change someone's life in a way that can only be described as a miracle. And that's what he felt like, the miracle of, you know, his sister being alive, Alphonse being with his son in relationship, and that Kara was losing her mom because her mom and her stepsister are moving to start over because the whole reason they broke up was because a friend suggested was the stepfather who went to prison for, you know, Legal track, uh, you know, money stuff. So, yeah, and that the uh, it's cool to find that Alphonse was a spy, all the other stuff, and that Kara's, you know, mother leaves away, and Alphonse is thankful of him and wants to tell him about whoever you find out is behind the account because they thought he was behind the account. That it was very uh, to tell them that like I don't have a lot of time, I'm dying, and of course, you know. That's the thing. And then Alphonse, and then he goes, oh, well, it doesn't matter who's behind it. Then keep it going for many seasons. Like, if he's decided that, Miles, he doesn't care who's behind it, why they made it, and why they chose him, then it really doesn't matter because it's doing good. Well, that's good. If it's going to do good and you don't really care who's behind it and why, you continue the show for, like, five seasons where every week they help somebody and there really is not much character development. They kind of rush the character development between the three main characters, Miles, Rakesh, and Kara, their relationships with people, his relationship with his father, his stepmother, and his sister, and, and, and then bringing back certain people. Like, that was, they kind of rushed to do the storytelling just to get character development when the show could have been on for five years because it's a great show. Now, that sort of thing is that, um, the fact that the last episode, one of the last episodes was about her being the friend suggestion alley, he thought that was the thing was the way to make sure that she's able to be together. Now, now they, sh- now the thing is they show him on a mountain because you know, supposedly the God God account does doesn't like or suggest things that are not you know have any meaning and stuff. So he tries to tell you, oh, I'll tell you why I'm on a mountain. Flash forward the past because that's some way to try to to end the show, which is really stupid. And that that Kara's mother keeps telling, tell him how you feel. And of course she tells him. They stay friends, but they eventually fall in love. So guess what? That checks off him and Al, him and Kara being together. They had to throw it in though. Rakesh and his girlfriend, who he proposed to once, proposed to again, and they got married. So the other main character is happy in love, and Allie's happy in love, and she's healthy. Moving on, you know, and uh, and that the Bible will change everything by reading it. And then of course they're on the train. Something bad happens, and of course another friend suggestion is there, and it pops up and helps them. That sort of thing, like. That would have been nice to do over a five-year period where the friend suggestions, you know, come and go and they help them whenever they need stuff, blah, 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 blah. He thinks he's failed because the account prevented from helping, getting back in time, but he, he has to accept that. And it's like Jeremiah 29:11. His sister purposely, you know, left a note in that line because the God account said, I like that thing. And it's, for now I know the plan, right? For I have you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And he's like, does he need to read that passage? Because it's really about the note. That sort of thing. 
that she's like, don't lose your sense of wonder and hope and open to all opportunities. So that's why he's, you know, in that case, he didn't give up on Kara. That's why he went over this, to the mountain. His father wants his fact, him to give his faith back by praying. Maybe the last friend request has shown that he can't help everybody. He remembers some people from the past, like his hero and Anna, you know. And that, uh, that sort of thing. And that, uh, maybe his faith has been restored because he lost him when his mother died. And what is the greatest power? Or just ran- Was this a greater power that his sister lived? Was it random? And obviously, the question is, if it's one year later from when uh, his sister Allie's recovered, and that over that one year period, he and his best buddy are with their loves of their life, the question that I have is, did he still get friend requests over that whole period? Or did he stop getting friend requests, which is why he went all the way to this, like, Himalayan mountain or, you know, climbing them up and some Asian kiss that she's waiting for him. And that's how it ends. Spoiler alert. I don't understand how you can honestly tell CBS, CBS can tell Greg Berlanti his crew that you're ending it and answer the love, the love thing, the sister health thing, but don't even tell you who's behind it, why they're behind it, why they stole from Corey Smith, why they gave it to this other person first, and why they chose Miles. I wish that Greg Berlanti would just pitch, let's NBC, ABC, or Fox pick it up, or even CW, even though CW is not a an adult station, it's more of a teenage station, or a streaming site, because I would like for them to figure out who's behind it, why they're behind it, and why they chose him. We got the sister and the girlfriend's issues figured out, but that's not a, it was not a great ending to the show, this was not a, um, this was not a, you know, what we wanted in the end, and we didn't get the answers we wanted, and the questions we wanted answered. This is not fulfilling this ending. They they kind of left you. They ah screw you. We solved a couple of the questions, but we didn't really solve the main ones. So, what I'm saying is, I still not going to forgive CBS for leaving us like that, where there's not really answer every question, or even if it didn't answer every question, it just the season ended. Just okay, season two ended. Maybe season three will find out these questions if it gets picked up. The way that they wrote the final two episodes don't really give you any leeway of continuing with season three, of continuing to get friend requests after his sister is okay, and show how he and Kara get back together, and how Rakesh and his girlfriend get back together, and eventually lead him to that thing. So it's not really what the ending we wanted. I'm glad his sister lives and he and Kara together. Rakesh is with his soulmate, but... I'm feeling like I'm, we're missing something here. There's really not a lot. There's really not a lot of answer, answer, questions answered. So I'm sorry, CBS, but I'm not happy with you that you canceled it. And I'm not happy with how you ended the show because there's no way that this show should have ended. It was the best show on your station, okay? Bowl is unique lawyer show. That's one thing. But you got all these reboot spinoffs and remakes on your station or just how SEAL Team and FBI, have, people have done that before. So thanks for listening to On the Radar, episode number 28, where we talk about national and local sports and, of course, pop culture. Remember to download podcasts wherever you get them on Apple, Spotify, or Google. I'm on, look me up on Facebook at On the Radar Entertainment blog. Twitter is Radar4428. Blogger is Radar4428. And On the Radar, YouTube. Thanks for listening to episode 28. See you guys next time.